You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I'm powering through this show today. I could be like uh, the White Sox of the last couple of years and go day-to-day for a few days and then have the team play with a short bench and then about nine days into me not being available and being day-to-day, then go on the IL. Uh, and it could be complete roster mismanagement here on Sacks in the Basement. But instead, no, you're just you're just being the tough guy that's going through. You're not you're not worried about going on the, the IL. You're not worried about taking, you know, no 10 games off here. No, you're just you're just going to push through this thing and your voice is going to sound terrible. And at some point it might crack like you're Peter Brady. And at some point I'm going to make fun of you. But also, let's let's be fair. uh, Nobody said a word when I went through like the last two weeks where, you know, at times I started to completely lose my voice. Yeah, but nobody noticed. Yeah, nobody nobody knows, noticed. I, I talk over you all the time, so nobody understood. Uh, exactly, that you had. nobody knows exactly. I'm here. Right. So I like I woke up today with like a raging sore throat, and I was like, "Where did I get this thing from?" Because nothing's going on in my house, and I'm like, "Where did this come from?" And I make mention of it as I'm getting the kids ready for school, and the older kids are avoiding me. Right. Like my 17 year old is well, yeah. in like this massive production of Chicago over at Macaulay, where she's like the lead saxophone player she's playing three different types of saxophones in the pit with solos and everything else she's like stay away from me i i'm I'm, i've got this huge thing i've been practicing for for a month or so my 15 year old son is like i don't want anything to do with you i've got big things going on the little guy looks at me and goes oh yeah i've had a bad sore throat for the last like four or five days oh good and i look at him and i go what and he goes yeah i'm like I ask you all the time how you're doing. You tell me you're fine. He's like, yeah, I, I don't want to miss school. I'm like, do you have one now? He's like, no, it's gotten better. I don't have one today. And I, I just looked at him and I'm like, this little walking virus has probably spread it throughout the entire third grade. I call my dad like an hour ago. He's like, I got a really bad sore throat. I'm like, yeah, Nick was over at your house yesterday. He's the walking virus. He doesn't right. tell anybody he's sick. Like every other child I had told me when they were ill. In fact, when I was a kid, if I had a sniffle, I wanted to stay home and play video games, right? Like, you didn't want to go to school. Any excuse to stay home, you would. This kid, he's like, no, no, I'm not missing what's happening in the third grade today. I'm just going to pretend like I'm not ill. And he powers through. I've never seen a kid like that. And, and, and in the process, it becomes patient zero. We'll call him Nikki Zero. Yeah, Nikki Zero. And, and <laughs> you know, but my six-year-old does the exact same thing where I will sit there, I will look at her. There will be stuff running down her nose. we be like, oh, you're sick. And she'll go, no, I'm fine, dad. And it just has to be contrary. In the meantime, I'm the one who loses my voice for two and a half yeah, weeks. He got me. So we're going to power through this episode. We got a lot to get into. Uh, Tim Anderson out the door. Liam Hendricks officially out the door. Two things that we said we thought would happen. It was logical for it to happen. We've been talking about it for the last couple of months. I was shocked by the amount of surprise, but we're going to talk about what they're probably going to do next, what they should do next. And what if they don't do it is going to be a real problem. Uh, we also have coaching staff announcements that are coming through, trickling through. We're going to get into that as well. It's all brought to you by the official home of Socks in the Basement, Cork and Carry at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton. Also over at 106th in Western, you have the original location, Cork and Carry Beverly. Both amazing spots to hang out, meet friends, 
uh, you know, watch a game in the off season. They, they got TVs everywhere. They got great bars, both of them. There's amazing food over at Cork and Carry at the park. And then in season, that's your pregame. That's your postgame. That's your spot at 33rd and Princeton. See more at CorkandCarry.com. All right, so let's just get into the, the, the big thing. Liam Hendricks is out. Which, which makes sense. Right. Like anybody arguing to keep him around doesn't understand that he was getting all that money anyway over the next 10 years. That, that is not a heartless thing. They did not treat a, a cancer survivor badly. They're, they're paying him and he gets to go out and make his money elsewhere. And they didn't need a closer for 2024, especially of his ilk. Because again, this is not a competitive year. Well, he's he's also not going to play. He's he's really not going to play much in 2024. No, you know, he's got the the cancer survivor thing is great. He is the comeback player of the year. But don't forget, he had Tommy John surgery not too long after he came back. He's not he's not going to be ready to pitch for most of next year. If the White Sox were going to contend next year, picking up his option is probably not the best way to go. Perhaps renegotiating with him, declining the option, and then maybe trying to bring him back might have made sense. But in this situation, somebody who thinks that Liam Hendricks will be a viable option for them at the end of the season might pick him up and help him rehab his elbow and have him ready to go for the end of the year if they think they're going to compete. That's what Liam Hendricks' future really needs to be right now. And if not, then there have been plenty of guys over the past few years who are coming off of injury, who have done all the work on their own, been ready to go, and then had teams kick the tires down the stretch when they felt like they were ready. Liam Hendricks will be fine. The White Sox do not in any way, shape, or form need him in the last year of his contract, no matter what, to be sitting there on the shelf. They need to free up that money, spread it out over the 10 years, like you said. He is still getting paid. And it's just, it's business. It's not, the White Sox do not need to be a charity for this guy. He's a wonderful human being, but it's business. They they have to free that money up. They have to field the team. And then Tim Anderson is out the door. It's a $1 million buyout that frees up $13 million. And I got to right. be honest with you, I'm shocked by the fact that like I see all these polls and they're non-scientific and they're all over social media where I'm seeing like 45% of White Sox fans who just don't get this move. And, and, and let me tell you something. He hasn't been good for a while. He was a really good player for a finite amount of a couple of years where he was just amazing. He was a superstar, right? He's at the end of his contract. And this argument that I see getting pushed by even beat reporters, people that are covering the team, fans that are out there, that why wouldn't you hold on to him to see if he brought his value back and trade him? Well, what are you going to trade him for if he does all of those things and you're able to facilitate a trade, which is never a given because you got to find a team that wants him. Then you got to find a team that has something you want, and then you got to find a way where you're going to bring that person over or you cash in, take the 13 million and use it to buy the player or players you want in free agency right now. You take a lot of guesswork out and a lot of what ifs by doing it this way. This was a very logical move. As long as you take out of the equation, the emotion felt, the attachment that you have to a player that has been the face of the organization for several years of this team. He's not the face anymore, though. Luis Robert Jr. is. And this is going to be a new team going forward with a new general manager and a very new coaching staff. And he was done after this year was over either way. 
So I get the idea of going getting the money if you use it. The only fear I have, the only time you're going to get me angry in this whole scenario is if you pocket that $13 million, you don't use it. You pocket it, you don't use it. You don't do anything with that money to, to add to your team. Then I, I will be upset about it. But they have so many needs out there, I can't see how the money from Hendricks and Anderson doesn't get spent this offseason. Well, and, and how, how brain dead are, are, are some people who are, are sitting there saying you pick up the guy's option and then you see if he rebuilds his trade value. Do you not remember Craig Kimbrell? Do you not remember that whole debacle where the best that the Sox could do was A.J. Pollock, who did nothing for them? And also, do you not pay attention to what happens at the MLB trade deadline with rental players, which is what Tim Anderson would be if he picked up his his option? He's not giving you a couple of years of service to whoever he gets traded to. He is a straight-up rental player, okay? So you are banking on the fact that, one, this guy is going to rebound. And God bless Tim Anderson. I hope he rebounds. I hope he gets back to where he was. I hope he goes and plays with Mike Trout, who really thinks that he's a— you know, was just super impressed with him in the World Baseball Classic. And I hope, you know, the Angels have themselves a fine year with Tim Anderson at the top hit in front of Mike Trout. I would love to see him succeed. But he builds up his trade value by returning kind of to form for himself. Who is giving you anything for a rental Tim Anderson? What are you then? Are you then in the middle of a long rebuild because you're bringing back prospects for him halfway through the year? That isn't what I want. I don't want a long rebuild. I want a quick flip and I want to start bringing in major league ready baseball players, guys that are replacement level or better that are professional baseball players. I want to add competition every position and make the younger players that you have in your minor league system, which isn't very good with the exception of a couple of guys at the top end right now that you're waiting for like Colson Montgomery. I want I want competition at positions and I want competency at those positions until somebody breaks through and takes that person's job. I want to run the team like a good Major League Baseball team is run, and I don't want to go into a three-, four-year rebuild where you're just trying to build value in Anderson to get back a couple of prospects, and then we got to sit around and wait and see what they're going to be when most of the time they don't pan out. That it's just It was a silly idea. Anybody that thought you, you, you hope that he gets value, and then you hope you find a partner, and then you hope you get something that works for him. Socks in the Basement listeners, it's open enrollment season. If your company is going through the medical renewal and you are dreading the process, increased premiums and out-of-pocket expenses, heck, the decisions you make could put your employees into medical bankruptcy. Do not fear, our good friend Butch Zemar is here. Whether you run the benefits program for your company or even own the company, buy medical insurance privately on your own. If you're at retirement age and you're dealing with medical issues, the folks over at Elite Benefits of America are the ones you want to call. Call Butch directly. I have learned so much from him just producing his podcast the ZMAR podcast right here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. I have saved thousands of dollars just with the advice on what bills to pay and what charges to question. It's free. He's going to evaluate you, your company, whatever. Do not delay. Do not put it off. 708-535-3006 or reach out to Butch through EliteBenefits.net. Now you've got $13 million that Chris gets better spent. Right. And, and he better turn that into something useful for this team for the next couple of years and use that money to uh, 
to you know to support the team in, in in other ways, fill up that starting rotation that has nobody beyond Dylan Cease in the rotation right now. Do something with that cash, but you have that cash to do something with, and you can bring back a major league ready player right now. What if Tim Anderson gets hurt again? What if Tim Anderson spends the first few months of the year out with a hamstring or he, he injures his hand or something like that? What if Tim Anderson is hitting well? But his fielding, for whatever reason, is just atrocious. We've seen him go through these things. He's a very what if something guy. off the field happens to Tim Anderson and he goes in the dumps? Because it happened more than once in his time here with the White Sox. Something completely baseball non-related happens to the man off the field and it affects his play because you've seen it happen before. So what if that happens too and then you get no trade value out of him? It's too volatile of a situation for a guy that when he's on his game... You love watching play for the White Sox on the south side. But at this point, you're rolling the dice for no good reason when you just take the $13 million. Go look at Ahmed Rosario. Paul DeYoung, I've heard bannied about. Oh, I, I don't know if I want Paul DeYoung. But, I don't want yeah. him either. You know, I'd rather have Danny Mendick back than Paul DeYoung. I, I, I would kind of rather have Danny Mendick back. I mean, I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at the free agent shortstops, and, and you know, Ahmed Rosario stands out. Um, you know, in terms of filling up players – you know, guys that can kind of to to bring you across for something like that. I mean, you've got like Isaiah Kiner Falafa, you know, who's kind of a useful guy in some ways, but not a not a real star or anything like that. You don't have a ton of guys that you're sitting there going, Hey, this is this is what I want to have replaced Tim Anderson. But don't forget Colson Montgomery is really the next guy up, right? In terms of the top prospects that you have. Yeah, but he's not gonna start the season for you because I noticed that there was a quote there was a quote this week from him. Somebody asked him about like his timeline, and he said that they're taking their time with him. They are not going to rush him to the major leagues, and he knows what his timeline is and what he's supposed to be doing this year. They're not going to. He's not starting the year for the White Sox, and with good reason. After we just watched what happened when you rushed Andrew Vaughn, you don't need to build a bridge. Bring back Elvis. I mean, like I know he's going right. to go out right now. He's going to be a high end. Like he knows he can make money this year. He should do better this year in the open market than in previous years because of how weak middle infield is. But the White Sox should easily be able to bring him back in if they want him back in their locker room as a bridge. Yeah, and that's all you really need. You just need to build a bridge to Colson Montgomery for shortstop. You just need to build a bridge across 2024 into 2025. And if you can find a guy, and and we'll keep picking on the name Ahmed Rosario because he's that kind of a guy, if you can find a guy that you think will be part of this team for a longer term, that's where you give the guy a real major league contract, kind of the way you gave it to Andrew Benintendi, and I'm not going to get into Benintendi's performance here, but if you want to sign Ahmed Rosario for four or five years because you think at age 28 he's a guy that is going to be a useful contributor into the next time where you expect to contend, then you go ahead and do that. If you got to go get Donovan Solano because at age 35 Donnie Barrels still puts up a, a few good numbers and plays mediocre defense for you – but he gets you to the next wave. Cool. You know what? Go get me Donnie Barrels. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'd take Rosario onto my team for three years. I wouldn't give him a very long contract, and I don't know what he wants. Okay, because again, he he is a he maybe he's a win or two in his in his better years above replacement. Right. 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 I mean, he's got a basically average to below average OPS. Plays good defense. Twenty seven years old. It, teams that teams that win want his services. That's why he was on the Guardians, and there's a reason why he was on the Dodgers for a time last year, okay? Like, he's he's a real baseball player who's out there. 
who a guy who would be flying under the radar if it wasn't such a weak middle infield market. And that's going to be the one problem that the White Sox have. Everybody who's looking for middle infield help is going to be kicking the tires on Ahmed Rosario. Whereas if it were like last year or the year before that, he would have been so much further down the list that you could probably scoop him and get him at a song where now he's a premium. You know what I'm saying? Weirdly enough, he's going to be that. And that you might see trades. I mean, like, let me tell you something. I still look at Aloy Jimenez and I say, is this guy getting moved? And what are they going to pick up with him? Because if I'm the White Sox, the next thing I did after I made my decisions on who I was bringing back and the options and everything like that is to sit down with Aloy Jimenez and tell him you're a designated hitter. Don't ever ask us to play the field again. You're an emergency outfielder. If you can accept being a DH and you can concentrate on hitting and you can try to put 35 balls out of the ballpark this year and you can go for that and be that in our lineup, we want you. How do you feel about that, Aloy? And if he goes, whatever's best for the team, and if that's what you want me to focus on this offseason, I'm going to do it, great. If he gives you any resistance, trade him before the first of the year because you don't need that anymore. All right. You need to find guys that fit the roles that they that they're supposed to fit. And for his nearly 14 million dollars next year, you just cannot trot him out there in the outfield anymore to play 60 percent of the games and not realize that potential and not be a force in the middle of your your order. If you believe he can be that and you can keep him healthy by keeping him as the permanent DH to this team and he's on board with it. Great. But I don't want to hear any more whining about how he wants to be an outfielder when the guy can't stay healthy for the whole year. You can go say hi, mom, on somebody else's team. Again, a guy who I've enjoyed. My kids walk. My kid walks around in his Aloy jersey all the time. You know, I've enjoyed him as a fan at many times, but it's now time to be a little heartless. Like, I want the White Sox to be just as heartless as the Cubs were this week, where they looked at David Ross, a guy who's like part of their, their World Series run and everything, and they just fired him after they got uh, Craig Council. Why? Because they went out and got one of the best managers in baseball, paid him $8 million a year, and they want to win. I want my team to be just as heartless. You're either with us or you're out. You're either doing this role or we don't want you anymore. If you're not part of the new way of doing things with the White Sox, it's time to get to stepping. That, like, that's what I want for my team. Well, And that's what we haven't had from the White Sox for a very long time is that heartlessness because we talked about in years past, like, hey, Yohan Mankata is showing signs that maybe he's not the 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 best version of him that we think we got right and maybe it's time to maximize his trade value to do other things because there's other problems that the team has and now it's too late right now he's a very expensive guy with question marks and you can't really move him very easily he needs to hit over 30 home runs and play great defense and hit 270 280 minimum next year to justify his money and you might get you might get two out of the three of those he <laughs> might be able to get up to 270 and his defense might be really good, but I, I'm not convinced the guy's a 30 home run guy because he's never shown me anything that that suggests he is. He needs to be a four war player to justify the money he's going to make, to at least justify the money he would make the next season. He needs to go out there and be that kind of a player, like an all star. Does he have that in him? Would you? Would you? Would you bet anything? I wouldn't bet the five dollars in my wallet right now that he could do that. No, I, I don't. I don't think he can. But a couple of years ago, when it was unfathomable to people, that's when you got to be heartless. And frankly, I think the heartlessness with with Tim Anderson to a certain degree and letting him go, it, it's that's a shrewd business move, right? That's a solid business decision. But with Aloy Jimenez, you're right. Uh, 
you got to look at the guy and sit there and go, where does he fit in with this team? Because now's the opportunity to sit there and say he may, may still be worth what people think he could be. Because if he has another year where he can't stay on the field, if he has another year where the power numbers aren't quite what we remember them to be before some of these injuries started to take their toll, his trade value is going to drop and you're not going to get as much back from him. They need to be heartless. I mean, you know, to, to I, I don't think you can understate like how much of a cult figure David Ross is for the Cubs for him to be let go for Craig Council. You know, that, I mean, that's that's a that's a pretty big heartless move. Why can't right. my team be like that? Why, why can't they be like that? Every time that Jerry Reinsdorf or the White Sox brass or the mouthpieces for them talk about how the White Sox, even though they're in Chicago, are kind of a small market team and can't do anything, the Cubs exist in the exact same market. He's been the owner of this team for decades upon decades. He had every opportunity to build up his fan base, build up areas around the ballpark, and make his team into just what the Cubs have up north. And I will not buy anything less than that. Look at what they're doing right now. Look at how quick they intend to turn around. Look at what they did going after Craig Council and how they just basically looked at David Ross and was like, hey, man, thanks, but, you know, we want to win. Yeah. I want that. I want my team to be heartless. Nobody on this team, nobody, is worth keeping around when their value isn't worth their money is worth keeping around just because we like them, is worth keeping around because they're photogenic, because the fans enjoy them, because of something they did in the past. Nobody. This is professional sports. This is Major League Baseball. I applaud what the Cubs went and did. That's incredible. They went and spent more money on a manager than anybody spent on a manager, and they ripped them away from a division rival. That's how they kicked off their offseason. Well, the, the the Brewers organization is so mad right oh, now. Oh, it's I mean it's I mean that is some killer mentality type stuff. That's what I want here. That's that's what we need here. That's why I still cling to hope. It's the only thing I have, and I don't know if it's misplaced hope, but the hope that Chris Getz was a guy inside of an organization surrounded by morons and did what any one of us would have done: snuck into the office and got the old man's ear. And when he saw the opportunity, pounced. And that's why he's bringing in a bunch of guys from the outside. Now, you can complain that a lot of them have Kansas City roots, but he isn't listening to the people that have been in the building for the last two decades. He doesn't want to deal with them anymore. He's bringing in coaches that have connections to not just him, but to the guys that he's hired already before them. Grady Sizemore has a, has a, has a, a, a Barfield connection. Yeah, they were, they were former teammates. Right, exactly. I mean, they're, they're, you, you're always going to have connections in baseball. It's a very connected thing. It's a big, giant club. They all know each other, all right? You're going to be able to find that anywhere. But what he's doing is he just continues to bring in guys from the outside. He's filling Pedro's staff with, with new guys that are going to bring a different voice to what's going on inside the room. And, and what I'm waiting for now is the heartlessness. And to be honest with you, the Tim Anderson move was the first sign that maybe that's there because you need it. Right. Now, right. what they do with Aloy. That'll be interesting, right? Will they just keep him? Will they try to tell me that, oh, he just needs to be healthy? Is it going to be the same thing that's always been for the White Sox? We just need everybody to have a career year and stay healthy and everything will work out, okay? Or will it be a more cutthroat way of looking at your roster? Ed and I had a pretty similar discussion to this when we were at Hailstorm Brewing last time. You give me a couple of crash test dummies, the triple... 10.3%, I start throwing my finger in the air and telling you, this is what we got to do. We got to be heartless and get rid of guys. 
If you don't like something that powerful, Ska Centennial is one I would recommend to you. It's an APA with Michigan Centennial hops at 5.2% also on tap. They got every style of beer on tap at Hailstorm. A big, beautiful beer hall with pinball machines, outdoor patio with fireplaces, a working brewery with really good food. Kitchen hours now starting at 11 a.m. going into the evening. I just noticed that the menu has some hearty fall additions, like perfect for this kind of weather. I'm going to get the bacon, mac, and cheese next time I walk in there. The official brewery of Socks in the Basement Hailstorm Brewing Company is located in Tinley Park, 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. See more at hailstormbrewing.com. But Chris gets man, he's clearly not trying to win in 24. They can li- they have all the lip service they want to have. He is not trying to win anything in 2024, but I don't think that he's going into a long rebuild. I think he's looking at 2025. There, there's a difference between saying we're not going to try and win it all in 2024 and being non-competitive. And that's the other thing too that's been driving me nuts about some of the narratives here is is that it's not all or nothing. Okay, it's not we are going for. You know, damn the torpedoes, we're going to go win the World Series because where the, the roster sits right now, that would mean either making some really shrewd trades or you'd have to sign a lot of players. You'd have to sign a lot of free agents to a lot of money, which the Sox never really do, or we'd have to fall back on the, the young guys and everybody on the team would have to have career years, okay? But that last bit is is a, is an oper- it's a possibility every year, right? They could have guys... Okay, Lenin Sosa could come up and make good on whatever promise Lenin Sosa has and and really stabilize the second base position. You know, we sort of make fun of it because we've watched that happen before. Oscar Colas could have a breakthrough. Andrew Vaughn could take another step. These things all could happen. And if they do, I would expect Chris Getz to have at least enough of a professional team on the field that they could take a weak division. And and you know and back into the wild. That's card, what you okay? do. You have you, but every every position on this field should be filled with somebody who's a capable major league baseball player who has shown that they can do it at the show at a replacement level, and then those guys have to take their job. Ed, that's, right. that's what I want. I don't want any more of this. Like we're going to play three prospects and we're going to give them two months. And we're going to see what happens. And that's the problem, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't. It, you need to have competition. I see what the Pirates are doing in Pittsburgh. That's what they're doing. I don't know if it's going to work. But what they have is they have their young players that they've worked out through their rebuild. They've got a few guys now that are established that have been playing Major League Baseball for the last couple of years that are good. And then they've got some holes. And they have prospects that could be brought up and could play there. But last year, and it looks like they're going to do it again this year, they went out and they got journeymen or replacement level players or just professional baseball players on contracts that had the job. And then they tell the younger guys, beat them for the job. Earn your spot on the roster and we'll give it to you if you can beat that guy out. Otherwise, we have a competent baseball player that plays every position on the diamond. And there'll be a playoff team this year after starting to do that last year. And it doesn't cost a lot of money to do that because they have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball as they're coming out of their rebuild. How hard would it be? I'll I'll go back to the name Donovan Solano, okay? How hard would it be to sign that guy who's got some value and sit there and say, all right, we're going to install him in our middle infield and somebody better come and take his job? 
Okay, Zach Remillard, come and take his job. Romy Gonzalez, come and take his job. Lenin Sosa, come and take his job. Whoever it is, okay, someone come and knock him off and turn him into our utility guy. It's not a hard thing to do, and it's not a difficult thing to do. And you know, and you know, coming back to Grady Sizemore, and now Marcus Thames is is being taken away from the Angels. It's the second coach they've hired away from the Angels, but they're they're trying to build a coaching staff here that also has a track record of some success, both as major league players. Okay. So talking about bringing in veterans who have done it before, Grady Sizemore was a very good outfielder in the major leagues for a very long time. He had injury issues. Okay. Daryl Boston was never really that good. Oh, you know, and, and you're asking him to do the same thing that Boston did. Yeah. I, th- I, I think Grady Sizemore taking over Boston's role is just such an upgrade, right? It's, it's a such massive an upgrade. upgrade. It is a huge upgrade. And, and Thames for his part. Okay. You know, took an Angels team that was really pretty terrible in 2022 with, you know, a, a 233, 297, 390 slash line, 25.7% strikeout rate, 7.5% walk rate, way better results where they were their their batting average went up to 245, which is pretty respectable for a team, 317, 426 in terms of on-base and slugging. Uh, they had more runs scored, their, their strikeout rate went down, their walk rate went up, so he is a guy who was a professional hitter for a very long time. He was one of those guys, right? You'd go and play fantasy baseball. Thames was a guy that was always kind of around on a squad, right? He's a backup outfielder. He's your, he's just sitting in your DH role. He's the top guy off the waiver wire. He's jumping around from team to team. And he's a guy who gets hot and wins you a championship. He has been there and done it. And you're not sitting there going, okay, who is this guy? And it's, it's nice to see that. And he hit home runs. And he knew how to hit home they, runs. They, yes. that, that's the kind of hitting coach they need. They need a guy who's going to look at some of these guys that are not hitting enough home runs and get them to start hitting home runs. Andrew Vaughn needs to hit more home runs. He's playing oh, first yeah. base. Hit more home runs. Right? Like I said, Aloy Jimenez, I want 35 from you. Right? Put your glove down and focus this offseason on hitting 35 home runs. And then you're worth the money they're paying. And be on the field more. Make sure that your core is is good, right? Like you're not going to pull any weird muscles while you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark. You're not going to hurt yourself trotting or running down the first base line. That's what I want. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.